Let me see if I can just share my. I have my I have my chat open and I I see the questions that you have for us. Mm -hmm. I don't see a roadmap. You don't see a a text like a like a picture. No, no. Um, yeah, I see it. I'll send it again. Okay, I sent it again. Let me know if it pops up. Otherwise, I'll try to share my screen. Are you talking about the cross? Yeah, it's a cross. I can see that. I don't see a cross. Here, I'll just share oh. my. Can you see it? Can you see it? No, I don't see it either. Uh, sorry. Um, I'm on a Mac. I don't know if I have anything to do with it. No, I have a Mac. <laughs> it should work. Um, all right. Um, well, I will share my screen and we'll try. Oh. All right. Thank you. Can you see that? Yeah, I can still see you too. Okay. All right. Um, so this, um, so the first half is got the gospel truth half. The second half is how we live out gospel living. So today we're finishing up the gospel truth section. And um, it's important to keep in mind that when we go to the next section, all the commands for living, all the, you know, fathers um, love your, or, you know, don't exasperate your children, um, you know, all the rules for marriage, all the rules for like slaves and masters, those all are derived from these gospel truths that we're learning in chapters one through three. And we can't forget the truths. We can't just focus just on the gospel living, just on the rules. Um, the gospel truth must be the foundation of gospel living and not the other way around. Our actions don't tell us what's true. Rather, truth changes our heart and leads us to change our actions. And um, so with that in mind, here's the roadmap. <laughs> I try to take a screenshot if you can't see it or if you can't see the file, you can take a screenshot on your computer. And here's where we're going in chapter three. So Paul in chapters one and two has talked about the mystery of the plan to unite all things in Christ. Um, and in uniting all things in Christ, he expands upon that theme um, right now in, um, in Ephesians three to include both things in heaven and also things on earth. Um, can somebody turn off their, um, like, can you guys make sure you're all muted? Because I, I hear some feedback and it's a little, it's a little distracting. Thank you. Okay, so um, things in heaven include the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, that is Satan, demons, um, spiritual warfare and the like. And there, Paul's going to tell us they can't stop God's kingdom because Christ has come. Christ has died on the cross. Christ has risen from the dead. Christ has ascended. Christ has broken down the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. He's made Jew and Gentile a new humanity, like one humanity out of two warring people. Um, and that's the church. And the church is to be strengthened in spirit and pursuing holiness together. And Paul is also going to talk about his own story. He's saved by grace and he's called by grace to be a missionary to the Gentiles. And he's also sent to the Gentiles, but he's imprisoned. And the main idea I think that he wants to convey at the very end is the kingdom is here. It's unstoppable. It doesn't depend on the fact that Paul's in prison. It doesn't depend on Paul at all. It depends on God and it's already here. So with that, we, we can be confident. With that, we don't lose hope because we have a true and, um, and unshakable hope. Okay, does everyone, has everyone gotten a chance to take a screenshot of this diagram? Thumbs up if, if you have, thumbs up if everything's okay. All right, so I'm gonna stop sharing my screen <laughs> and then I'm gonna pull up my notes again. All right. So let's start with verse one. Um, so in verse one, Paul begins a prayer for the Gentiles, but he actually gets a little distracted. Um, he goes on a tangent. He actually doesn't really pray until verse 14. He starts to pray 
and then he gets distracted. He's like, wait, I want to tell you this one thing. He wants to make sure that his audience knows the mystery and the stewardship of the gospel that has been given to him. So the first section, verses 2 through 6, addresses God's grand plan of salvation. Let me just read verse 2 through 6. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which is not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So, in this section, God lays out his grand plan. Um, actually, he's laid out um, his grand plan earlier in um, chapter 1, verse, verses um, 9 through 10. He's, his plan is um, for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Unite all things in him means all things are under God's dominion. All things are under God's control. Nothing else has power besides God. And the two things in here that are included are things in heaven and things on earth. So this first puzzle piece of the puzzle is um, things on earth. The first piece of the puzzle that has been accomplished is the death and resurrection of Christ for sinners. And he covers this um, previously in chapters 1 through 2. And now he says that the Gentiles are included. The mystery is that the Gentiles are included in God's plan as God's people in the gospel. Um, Jew and Gentile have been united into one new humanity. So Ephesians 2 um, says um, he has um, made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. Um, elaborating on this, Paul goes further on to say the Gentiles aren't merely just allowed in the door, but through their union with Christ, they get all the benefits of Christ himself. Um, to map out Paul's logic, if Jews are united with Christ, and the Gentiles are united with Christ, Jew and Gentile are united with each other necessarily. There's no hierarchy or lesser members. Everyone's equal. Everyone gets all the benefits of Christ because we're all one new man in Christ. Um, no benefit is held back from the Gentiles. The Gentiles are heirs, um, heirs of Abraham. The Gentiles are members of the same body. And the Gentiles all get the same spirit that, we, that the Jews did. Um, there's no second class in the new humanity. Um, in the next section... He sort of tangents and says um, that he was made a minister of this gospel according to God's grace. He says he is the very least of all the saints, but the grace was given to him to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So as a part of God's cosmic plan to unite all things under Christ, God unites Jew and Gentile, and he also calls Paul specifically to a very specific calling um, a role as a steward of God's grace to the Gentiles. Paul shares that God has made him a minister. Um, and this isn't something that Paul set out to do. In fact, he was an enemy of Christ. He was pursuing and um, persecuting um, Christians, and God totally changed him around. So, so God, Paul knows um, that his conversion on the road to Damascus and his calling to be a missionary to the Gentiles was wholly due to God's grace. He knows fully well he's an enemy of Christ, saved by grace alone. And everything that he's become or achieved as an apostle is not done as a result of um, his own striving, but as a result of God's grace. God saved him, God called him, and God will give him endurance and power to finish his race. And if we think about this, this is true for every one of us in our lives as well. Each of us who is a child of God has a story to tell of a God who saved us despite our own rebellion and despite our sin and despite 
our hatred of sin, uh, of, of God, and we each have specific callings to take the gospel to our families and communities around us. Um, so let's move on to the next section, verses 10 through 12. In the next three verses, um, they talk about the place of the church in God's eternal plan. So the church has a very unique and very um, specific role. And um, so I'll read this section. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So we've talked about the Gentiles, we've talked about Paul specifically, and now we're going to talk about God's church. Um, according to Paul in verse 10, through the church and the church alone, um, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. When Paul mentions the heavenly places, he's referring to the church sending a clear message to the heavenly realms. God has won. God is victorious. His kingdom is here. Paul says that the very existence of the church testifies to Satan, testifies to demons, and everything in the fallen world, including the coronavirus, um, that their authority, that the coronavirus's authority, Satan's authority, demons' authority has been decisively broken once and for all. There is nothing that they can do to stop God's plan and God's kingdom. It's already established. Christ has done it. It's, it's for sure. It's set in stone. And God's kingdom, though we can't see it, we aren't always aware of it all the time, it's growing like a mustard seed that starts small, but it's growing and growing and will one day expand and fully grow to reach its end with everything united under Christ's feet. And we as a church, our existence is a testimony to those who are against us. You're not going to win. God is going to win. He is on the throne. The kingdom is coming and it's unstoppable. So the very fact that God is working in someone's life, saving them, sanctifying them, bring them into fellowship with other believers and preparing their hearts for eternity with God should encourage our own souls in our own discouragement and trials that um, the kingdom of God is a real, very real and present reality, growing unstoppable, and one day it will be fully realized with everything under his feet. Now the Ephesians who received Paul's letter, um, they were going through their own trial their leader had been in jail for years at that point. And um, although God appointed Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles, um, he also told Paul that he would suffer for the sake of the gospel. So um, his ministry to the Gentiles led directly to his um, arrest and detention. And he's writing this letter from jail. And seeing this, like, the Ephesians... Um, they probably were discouraged because, you know, what if our, one of our pastors was thrown in a jail and it had been years since they um, had seen him? It seems like this is a real setback for the gospel, a setback for Jew and Gentile unity, and um, a setback for Paul personally. So what would they do when their leader was in jail? But Paul reminds them, hey, the kingdom has already come. It doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend on one person. It's already secured in Christ's victory over sin and death. And that's where our confidence should be, no matter what the trial. And that's the reason that Paul can ask the Ephesians in verse 8, do not lose hope. Oh, uh, is it verse 8? Verse 13. <laughs> um, and as Pastor Tim said on sad Sunday, as tribulation increases, so does triumph, because we are in Christ. We are his new humanity, so we have his hope. In verse 13, Paul says, I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. So he encourages the Ephesians, again, not to be discouraged. Not only because the kingdom of God has already come, but also that he sees suffering. Uh, this is the second part of it. The suffering is a real part of his ministry to the Gentiles. 
So going back to um, verse 1, where Paul starts to pray, he says he's a prisoner of Christ. Notice he doesn't say he's a prisoner of Rome, or a prisoner of Gentiles, or the, a prisoner of, you know, the world. He says he's a prisoner of Christ for the Gentiles' sake. Paul sees that being in jail is being where God has called him to be at that point in his life. And as a steward of the gospel, Paul's living out his calling faithfully, even if he is in jail. He's done everything that God has called him to do. He's gone where the Father has called, called him to go, and this is, this is his calling for this season. So um, two good verses that I wanted to um, read were um, 2 Timothy. Can I have somebody read 2 Timothy 2.10? And then can I have somebody else read Colossians 1, 24 through 29? Just um, unmute yourselves, and uh, if you have it, 2 Timothy 2, 10, Colossians 1, 24 through 29. 2 Timothy 2, 10, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Okay, now Colossians 1, 24 through 29. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Thank you. Now, Colossians is a good um, book to read hand-in-hand with Ephesians because they have many of the same themes. And Colossians, I think, um, restates here what Paul's already said. He basically gives us um, a nice summary. The mystery hidden for all ages is now revealed, and now we have Christ the hope of glory, and we can um, rejoice in our sufferings because we're doing this for the church. We're doing this for the sake of the elect, so they might know these riches as well. Paul sees his life as a means to an end, and his end, his one end in his life, is to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to live out this one calling. And the challenge for us is, are we willing to do whatever it takes to live out the most important callings of our lives. So in the next section, this prayer for spiritual strength, this is where Paul goes back and he actually finishes his prayer that he began in verse 1. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So in this section, Paul picks up the prayer uh, he just asked them not to be discouraged, and now he's going to pray for them to have power to live this out. I think Paul here realizes that struggle is a real part of the Christian life. We know all these glorious truths. We know the kingdom has come. We know we should have hope, but yet we see the brokenness of our world, and we can get discouraged really quickly because the world's not as it should be. There's so many, so many burdens that people carry around even as Christians. So even though Paul asked the Ephesians not to be discouraged, he knows that real life is full of up and downs, and he wants to point them to the source of true strength. 
what is true strength in the midst of trials. So let's start at the beginning of the prayer. Verse 14, Paul begins his prayer by bowing his knees before the Father. Um, in doing so, Paul acknowledges God as Father and Creator, um, the one who creates us and takes care of us, whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He also reminds the Ephesians that during struggles, God strengthens us with power through the Holy Spirit. He's giving us strength to run the race set before us. But what does this strengthening look like? It's kind of a, um, a broad term, a vague term, so let's define this a little bit more specifically. Strengthening is not just advice just to, you know, not give up or uh, keep your chin up. It's not just a test of sheer willpower. We'll just keep going, keep going. Paul outlines that what happens when we're strengthened with power through the Spirit is that the Spirit deeply roots our hearts in the love of Christ. The true strengthening comes from being rooted and grounded in the infinite riches of Christ's love, and that alone. True strengthening doesn't come from ourselves, from trying harder, but from meditating on the truths of Scripture and letting the Spirit speak to our hearts. And this isn't just an academic exercise, but a spiritual transformation of your innermost being. We're being made more holy because he's being made holy. Um, sort of asymptotically go going closer and closer and closer to holy perfection until the day he calls us home, where we will be made completely new and completely holy and sinless. Looking back at the text, Paul says that true strength is two things. The first part is we are to comprehend the infinite love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that we may fill, be filled with all the fullness of God. This is drinking deeply from scripture and mining its truths. Though we can never fully mine the depths of God, the ocean of God's word, we can go to the waters of God's word and fill our cups with living water every day nourishing our souls. When we drink deeply from the waters of Scripture, the Spirit illuminates the Word to us and works in our hearts to strengthen these truths to us, to bind these truths to our hearts, to sanctify us, and to sustain us, no matter what the trial. It's the Spirit that reminds our souls that Christ died for my sin, that I am forgiven, that I am reconciled to Christ, that Satan has no power to stop God, and that the unstoppable kingdom has come, and God will fulfill his purposes in me, despite my weakness. The second part of it is doing this together with all the saints, that is, with the body of Christ. So the strengthening does, isn't just an individual process, but it's a communal goal for the body of Christ to pursue together. And Paul ends this section with a doxology where he gives praise to God. I'll just read it because I feel like the words um, speak for themselves. They're so powerful. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, that's the Spirit, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul wants us to know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that enthroned Christ in the heavenly places, is at work within us right now to achieve infinitely more than we could ever ask or imagine. And Paul praises God for the strength given to his people through the Spirit and affirms that God will indeed accomplish his purposes in and through his people, and we will praise him throughout all generations forever and ever. And um, so that's the end of our discussion on the text. Um, hopefully the diagram that I give you will be helpful in sort of remembering there's a lot of little pieces, so sort of remembering all the little tangents that Paul goes on um, in this section. Again, remember it's the end of um, the, the truth section, and everything else after this will be, okay, how does this look in my life? How do I live this out? Um, and if you look in the chat box, um, let me see. I, we probably have um, people that came in later, so I will repost the questions. 
Um, there are three questions. I'll read them now. Um, so the first one, um, we share with others how God has been strengthening us through his word so that other people may benefit from what God is doing with us. Um, in many ways, our devotional life is not just for ourselves, but for others. So I thought the first question could be, um, how has God strengthened you with his word or gospel truth so that the body, the whole body, may be encouraged? Um, and then the second question, and you guys can answer whatever question you feel compelled to answer. These are your three choices. You don't have to answer all three. Um, in fact, I think we have like maybe ten, only 10 minutes or 10 or 15 minutes to do this. So um, please keep your answers brief. Please um, share if you have a burden, but um, also be mindful that others are probably wanting to share. Um, so sorry, the second question. Um, some of us are struggling in this season, and some of us are doing well by God's grace. Um, what camp are you in? If you're struggling, please share with the group how are you struggling so we can pray for you so that the body of Christ can help you to pursue um, knowing the riches of God's grace in the midst of your trial together, that we can do this as, um, as a body so you don't have to bear this alone. If you are doing well by God's grace, um, God wants you to have a heart for those who are suffering and reach out to them. So think of someone in your life that you feel God is calling you to encourage um, and reach out to them. And then the last question is, um, Paul's life was lived being poured out for the sake of others. He was in jail for the sake of the Gentiles, and he, he would do it again in a heartbeat. And our lives are also, um, in many ways, a calling to suffering for the sake of the church, for the sake of the gospel, and the, for the sake of the advancement of God's kingdom. So what is your calling in all this? What is your specific calling to bringing the gospel to those still in darkness? Um, and share, you know, who God is calling you to take the gospel to, and we can pray for that too. Well, I've had plenty of opportunities um, online and also with the women's space. My husband and I and Janice and George have um, different Sundays when Kevin's not working. We've been able to go and you know, have like a little church service and, and Kevin shared his testimony, which really blessed the ladies there. And I've had good days and bad days. I think that's kind of with everybody. I mean, we, there might be some days that you're doing really good and other days not so good, but through the whole thing, even before the started, God gave us Joshua 1.9 and a bunch of different verses about um, sharing the gospel. So for us, we had our marching orders before this all started. So that helped. Um, um, that's the main thing. And then the song that came on, um, um, I don't remember the author, but it, we sang it at Women's Space. Uh, we played it for them. It was when um, God says, the enemy meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And he gives us the victory. And there's a newer song that's been out that um, there's not a whole lot of words to it, but it's the main theme is that the enemy meant this for evil, but God is turning it turning it around for good. So I just keep praying that that's what does happen and that we shine as Christians. And for the most part, I feel like that is what's been happening. I mean, I've had some rough spots though, been discouraged about things I'm seeing. And, but I prayed, I just said, Lord, I need to pray. It made me upset, made me angry, but I said, no, I don't want to give in to the devil. So I'm going to pray instead. And that's what I did do. So, I mean, that's my story. I've had my ups and downs, but mostly about God's um, protection and encouragement because he gave us all those verses before this happened that he didn't want us to cower because of the virus, but to get out there and share the gospel in spite of that. And then more and more we learn about this virus. It's, I think God answered prayers though. Absolutely, I'll say when this all started happening and we all prayed, I felt like it could have been a lot worse than it actually didn't happen. I really do believe God intervened because he uh, made that malaria drug available for people. And 96% of the people are recovering from this virus. And I think people are still bound up in fear over it and they don't need to be. So if you know the facts, that will help you as well. But anyway, God is doing a work and I'm just praying for people to be set free because too many people are still in fear and they don't need to be. 
So I'll be quiet now. Let somebody else talk. Um, I could talk to the last question um, without giving too much background story just because of time. Um, my mother is someone who um, God is definitely calling me to share the gospel with. Um, I had been with my husband and I many attempts for my mom and my dad over the years. Um, and I actually felt my dad was softer than my mom. Um, and my dad passed away um, February la last year. So this February was its first, was our first year anniversary of that. And I thought when that happened, my mom would get even harder and even more cynical. And it's been the opposite, wow. which is totally God's grace. And she has softened and she talks to me about the Bible. She realized that we gave them a USV, ESV, not USV, ESV study Bible. And she found it and pulled it off after talking with her about it. And, and she's gotten into a Bible study at her church. So I want to start to over FaceTime, um, just like suggest maybe to start to go through the book of John together. You know, one chapter at a time over a week and then come together and talk about it. And, and um, so that's a prayer um, that uh, God would continue to work there. Um, I see he's working. Um, I don't know where my dad actually was when he passed away. So I would like to be confident, you know, before that happens again. So um, yeah, there you go. Thanks. Um, I agree with Tracy. Uh, can you hear me? That that uh, God is going to work all this for good. Is uh, um, a lot of times people don't get um, open to the uh, open to the uh, word and prayer, the gospel, until um, until things get until things get bad. And, should I say what I want prayer with, or I have to write that on the on the chat box, Teresa? You can say it. That's fine. Uh, it's been easy. It's been easier in some respects and harder. It's easier because I'm getting spoiled that Larry's here all the time. Uh, um, you know, he's going to have to. Uh, he may have to get find an, another job. We need prayer for that, and that. Um, you know that I would that I would have God's peace and um, and Josiah Josiah's getting better. I'm just really grateful. He's not arguing as much. He's uh, we're giving him that um, uh, the, the the stuff from the DNA testing and just pray that I would be strong. I don't feel like I'm strong a lot, even though. I don't know, Larry says I'm strong. He said you would have made it this far if you weren't strong. He always, he always tells me I'm strong, but I don't think I'm strong. Does any other women have that kind of problem? Just pray that I would, uh, I'm relying on him, but I, I just still feel like I'm not strong enough or something. Maybe somebody has a, um, you know, I just get run down easily and stressed and whatever. And even though I never take on stuff, his word. Okay, thank you. Never can get this on. Hello. <laughs> Do you have something you want to share? Feel free. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hi, um, Teresa. Hi, Sheila. Hi. I'm listening to everyone, and um, I'm thinking I thank God for this week because 
I, I slip out one of the scriptures when Jesus said these times come by fasting and praying. And I thank God for putting me back on my uh, schedule of fasting, uh, sacrificing, even though being a diabetic, you know, it's, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And I just really thank God for that, along with the scripture. Um, and I wanted to say to uh, Sister Singer that your weakest moment is your strongest moment. We don't realize it. I think that's found over in, in Ephesians. I, I didn't look up. I have nothing planned. But I thank God because reading Revelations and several other scriptures, knowing that this time would come, I just thank God for the foundation from when I got saved and received God as my Savior, meaning that the older mothers taught the younger mothers. And we... set because she was taught for actually from the womb and when she started to grow up in Sunday school to, to know the difference but now that she will be 30 years of age this year I put her in the hands of the Lord um, because sometimes you know we can say too much you can say too little so like Sister Singer said even it's part of my prayer for her because she has four children, two daughters, a little son and an older son, and she garbed them up and immediately said it's going to be Islam. And those children know about Christ. They've been to Risen Hope to Sunday school. So I'm just praying for our community, and I'm a little nervous, so I'm kind of all over the place. I'm praying that those that backslid, left God, forgot God, said there wasn't a God, would turn around. And I'm looking for when everything opens up, that a lot of people are going to come back to Christ. I, I, I really can see that and I, and I can feel it. We all are, are living epistles read by men. And we can, we can have Bible study. We can testify one for another. But the main thing, people are watching us to see how we're reacting. Like my neighbor said, oh, is this the end? You know, and I had an opportunity to talk with her um, about what the word says. You know, I'm here, you know, and it might not be exactly the Ephesians that I, I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. Things are happening so fast. And me, it's not how big your Bible is, but reading and reading the uh, corrupt, the book that Pastor Tim had brought us uh, about the coronavirus, he has started writing it in, in, in March. Um, Sylvia Brown, her prophecy. I think you've been, um, your, your, became comfortable. Yeah, became comfortable with ourselves. Oh, God, send me a husband. I'll go to church every day. I'll go to Sunday school. Oh, God, I need a car, you know. And, and, and not even with that in the church, we have actually slapped God in the face. And now, you know, they're, they're looking and, and trying to figure out what's going on. But the answer is, is Jesus, which you were just saying in the scripture. It's Jesus holding on to God. You know, mothers taught us to hold on to the arms of the altar. And like one sister on here had just said, you don't wait until something happens and start praying and become so dedicated. But it's before the storm. It's before things happen that we have to remember to pray. Pray for the government. Pray, pray, pray. And the last thing is we really need to pray because what they're trying to do is take the currency, which is money, and just let it be plastic. And then they can have control. Money is the only thing that has in God we trust on it. And I know that I'm all over the place, and, and I, I just don't have 
time to hear, to say the things that I would love to say. But I love God. I got saved in 1968. Doesn't make me no better than you, but I was taught by the mothers how to shut in the church, how to pray and fast. And even for the unbelievers, you know, and even for the believers, because some of them, we have some doubt and tosses, but we have to pray for them. So y'all pray my strength in the Lord. Love y'all. Thanks, Sheila. I, um, I think we're going to wrap this part of the or the discussion up. And I think that um, Nikki is going to lead us in a song of worship now and pray to close our time. Can you guys hear me good? Thumbs up if you can hear me good. All right. So while I'm singing, I trust that you guys are praying, right? So we won't have no internet connectivity issues. Um, but after this, after I sing this song, um, Gaylene, if you could be prepared to close us in prayer and remembering some of those prayer requests that went forth and however else the Lord leads you in doing that. And this song is called See How He Loves Us. It's a Sovereign Grace song if you want to Google the lyrics. King of heaven, robed in light, sovereign of all, the angels adore him and set his crown aside, emptied himself, leaving his glory, see how he loves us. Son of man, robed in flesh, caring our grief and knowing our weakness, yet despised in our eyes, pitied and poor, living among us. See how he loves us. Oh, how my 
How marvelous and how wonderful is my Savior's love to me. The mysteries of the cross I cannot comprehend. Father, we love you, we adore you, we thank you for your plan of salvation for your people. Thank you for sending your son on the cross to redeem us. Thank you for adopting us into your family. And I thank you, Lord, for the beautiful testimony of your church. It's not a perfect church by any means, Lord. But as I look at this screen tonight, and I see all these dear faces, a mosaic, really, of backgrounds and ages and stages and stories, ethnicities. Lord, this truly is a demonstration of the manifold witness, wisdom of God, that you would bring us all together in one body under the cross, Lord, to worship, to fellowship, to bear with one another. Thank you, Father, for this this beautiful group of women. And I pray, Lord, your blessing on each one. We've heard some requests tonight. We've heard requests for gospel witness, Bible study, prayer for family, for loved ones, for backsliders. We've, we've heard a testimony of weakness and need. Lord, you have heard our words. You have met with us. And so in the name of Jesus, we come boldly into the presence of the Father and say, please hear our prayer. Father, I do pray also for two categories, because tonight I have a cheerful heart, but I also have a tearful heart. So Lord, for the, for the, for the happy uh, occasions, Lord, of the women in our church who are with child and soon to deliver. I want to thank you for them and I pray your blessing upon them, especially for Melissa Shank as she is uh, due to deliver at any moment, Lord. I pray that you would bring forth a healthy child, a safe delivery, Lord. Strengthen Melissa and Caleb in this moment, Lord, and bless their family and for all the women who are expecting, Lord. Father, my tearful heart, though, is crying out for the mothers and the sisters and the spouses of the men that have been killed this month, Ahmed and George killed by the hands of police officers to be videotaped and shown on the screen over and over and over again. I cannot imagine, Lord, what this would feel like if this was my family member. Lord, I pray. I pray that justice will be done and I pray, Lord, that you would bring an end to this violence to the racism that it stems from, Lord. Father, I pray that you would preserve our church at a time like this, Lord, that truly you will do above and beyond all that we could ask or think, that, that our church, by your grace, would shine for the gospel, that we would testify of the manifold wisdom of God in our fellowship, that people will see there is something different there and it will be Jesus. It will not be ourselves, but it will be Jesus. But it's only by your grace and by your power that we can experience the joy of fellowship that we have 
experienced here tonight and on Sundays as families and community groups, Lord. I pray your blessing upon Risen Hope Church. I thank you for it. Thank you for this time for Nikki who has uh, organized it and Afrika as well for their leadership, Lord. And I just pray you'd be with us as we go now. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, one more thing I wanted to add. If you guys um, missed the handout at the beginning, um, I put my email address in the chat. Um, and um, if you missed it, um, give me an email and I will send it to you. Thank you so much, everyone. Um, hey. Hey, how's your baby? Um, hey. hey. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Afrika, so much for all you've done. Thank you. And uh, thank you for Ter Teresa for your tireless study. Thank you, Teresa. Leadership team. Thank you all so much. You're the one who can log the meeting out because you've got all the power right now. <laughs> Hi, Jay. Can't wait to see you all Thank again you in person. Hi. Hi. The baby's good. Thank you for oh, Great you. job, Teresa. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Teresa. Yes. Where did everybody mm -hmm. go? Okay, there. We're going. Me. I saw you before. Where'd you go? All right. Love you all. Bye. Everybody. Bye. Bye. Hi. And talk to all Bye. 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 Stephanie. Oh my. Bye. All right. Bye bye. All right. Bye. Bye, bye Stephanie. Bye guys. Bye. 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 Bye Lynn. Bye. Bye, bye Donna. Bye bye. Did a bye. good job.